Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure. Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. All things are full of gods. Thales, ancient Greek philosopher. I'm Sean Marlon Newcomb. Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. Today we're going to talk about the birth of the gods in the Greek pantheon with Dr. Gary Stickel. Gary is a noted archaeologist, often called the real-life Indiana Jones. Our conversation begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Without further ado, today's episode will be Birth of the Gods. Gary? Yes. Hi. Well, let's let's get going on mythology. First, we have our tradition here on our 34 Circe Salon that we all partake in a little bit of tea as we have our tea and conversation. So, Gary, yes. what kind of tea are you having today? Oh, it's, uh, it's mint tea. I, I love mint tea. I'm having Egyptian licorice, which has, I think, a little bit of mint spices, but it's mostly a licorice spice tea. Oh, that that sounds that sounds great. I, I, I like that. That will be our tea for today. You're having mint, I'm having licorice, and we're about to talk about the Greek gods and the birth. So we're this is going to be a series for those people listening out there. This is going to be a series of podcasts, first in the series, where we start to explore Greek mythology and also its Roman variants. Interestingly, uh, what we're going to do is talk about the birth of the gods, the beginning of the gods. And I'd like to read a couple of things to give us a sort of a setting. This is from Ovid's uh, Metamorphoses. He says, before the ocean was or the earth or heaven, nature was all alike, a shapeless chaos, so-called all rude and lumpy matter, nothing but bulk inert in whose confusion discordant atoms ward. There was no sun to light the universe. There was no moon with slender silver crescents filling slowly. No earth hung balanced in surrounding air. No sea reached far along the fringe of shore. So we start off for the Greeks and Romans with this idea that there's this formless chaos. And then he later says, till God or kindlier nature settled all argument and separated heaven from earth, water from land. Uh, now that's Ovid. Now Hesiod is real specific about how that kind of played out. What Hesiod says is that Gaia was the goddess who came out of the chaos. So starting with that, Gary, tell the listeners how the Greeks conceived of the beginning of all things, the birth of the god. What what did they think happened, and how do we know that? Well, uh, I, I just want to preface this by saying I think Greek mythology is the most popular mythology around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this is brought home to me because uh, I've been speaking to uh, college classes. I have a friend, Nancy Perlman, that teaches college courses in uh, Los Angeles City College and so on. Uh, so she has me talk to her students about uh, Greek mythology uh, because I love it. And I have, as you know, a, an ongoing project called the Homeric Project in Greece, um, where in part I'm searching for the lost palace of Odysseus, and I may have found it. We, we can get back to that later. Um, well, well, we're definitely going to do a full podcast, full deep dive on that, but not, not in today's, but we're definitely no, going to do today. a deep dive on that. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so, you know, I, I start to talk about the gods, and I, I just throw it out there. Who are the Greek gods? And even though students are different uh, origins are in the classrooms, um, Asian, Hispanic, and whatever, um, <clears throat> I'm really pleased that they know a lot of the gods. So they'll come up with Zeus, the king of the gods, Poseidon, you know, the king of the sea, and uh, Athena, the goddess of uh, defensive war and wisdom and so on. Uh, so th these images really resonate with people. And I recently got a request for my uh, my children's poem on, on the Iliad. I wrote 35 pages um, and uh, from a request from Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, oh, right, right. And uh, so in other words, uh, you know, it's it, there's universal appeal of these stories. And unlike the um, Judeo-Christian God who's morally, so it's perceived, you know, morally upright and, and perfect and so on. The Greeks viewed their gods as very human. Um, mm -hmm. they, they viewed them with all the uh, problems, foibles that human beings had. Uh, for example, Homer says that uh, Zeus is a zealous God. He can be jealous. Uh, they can be spiteful. They can be revengeful. Uh, they can be petty. Uh, they can even rape. Well, we definitely we definitely see a lot of things in the very beginning. Chaos, and then you have Gaia. And then Gaia, if I'm not mistaken, she gives birth. Kronos, that she gives birth to. Yeah. And um, Pontus, so both of them. And she has children by both of them. So that's a little strange, obviously, to begin with. I'd like you to talk about that. But then eventually Kronos is the victim of an overthrow by his children so we'll come through all that but like you say those kinds of strange foibles those family dramas play out very much in mythology so tell us about the beginning tell us about this chaos and gaia and uh, and i'm particularly interested about gaia too because it's it's you know we, you and i have talked about these kinds of historical uh things there's the stuff that involves women in the ancient world and these matriarchal lineages and Gaia seems to be kind of a remnant of some of that. Um, so, who is Gaia? What is her, what is what is her deal? Okay, and uh, how does everything begin? Well, there's uh, different versions, um, and uh, the first version that was written down was by Homer in his Iliad, and uh, followed up. Now, does that precede Hesiod or Hesiod? Yes, yes. All, okay. all these scholars <clears throat> agree that Homer is the uh, Hesiod, I prefer to call it that way. Uh, mm -hmm. He wrote two books, uh, Earth uh, Works and Days and the Theogony. Can you, uh, just for the, for the listeners, so in case people don't have the, the same knowledge and background, tell them about you know who Homer was when he lived and who Hesiod was and when he lived. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Homer's a mystery. Uh, <clears throat> we The ancients called him Homer, the ancient Greeks and the Romans. Um and there's uh, different, uh, they think he may have come from one of the Greek islands off what is now the coast of Turkey. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, Chios is one, one of the islands that uh, claims him and so on. Um, and uh, But we know vir virtually nothing about him. I mean, there, there's even uh, been an interpretation by the ancients that he was blind. Uh, there's no verification of that. 
the ancients had a certain look to him that they, the Greeks made these statues and they, whenever they depicted them, they depicted them the same way with, as an old man with a beard and so on, um, slightly balding on top and long hair on the sides. What and time the Romans, period is that? The Romans totally adopted that look. Um, uh -huh. I, I even have a little bronze um, version of that that I bought in an antique store in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, how, but, how long ago? How long ago is this, Gary? When did when did Homer? Live? Well, there's controversy about that. Um, the consensus seems to be he lived in the eighth century BC. And so, uh, so roughly three thousand years ago. Yeah, a little bit okay. less than three thousand years ago. Right. Uh, and then he was talking about uh, his epic poems were about the overall uh, Trojan story of, of the Trojan War, which the scholars today believe took place around 1200 to 1250 BC. So 3,100 so, and so years ago. So he wrote about the uh, the Trojan War about 400 years after it occurred. Yes. Okay. What's the importance of the Iliad and the Odyssey to our God's story, our birth of the gods? That's a good question because Homer was... Uh, either he or he had a scribe write down the you know his poem, which was the epic story of the Trojan War, and then the sequel, the Odyssey, about King Odysseus. And Odysseus was uh, the person, like Homer calls him an epithet, clever, crafty Odysseus, because he created the Trojan horse that brought about the downfall of Troy. Uh, and so the Odyssey is about his ten-year-long. Uh, voyage home where he is is attacked and encounters all these gods and monsters and so on. Uh, the Iliad is the story of the Trojan War. And, uh, and so Homer wrote both these down for the first time. They are the oldest books in Western European civilization. There's nothing older. So the consensus is that Hesiod is a near contemporary of Homer, but somewhat later in time, maybe within 100, 200 years of Homer. Is there anything about the first gods in the Iliad or the Odyssey? Yes. And uh, so Homer uh, <clears throat> basically says, the earliest account of the world came about is, uh, in, in the Iliad, and he refers to Oceanus. Now, Oceanus is, uh, refers to, the ancient Greeks believed that the world was surrounded by a river, a great river, and they called it Oceanus. But they also personified it like a deity, and that he okay. was the originator and father of all things. Before uh, God. Yes. And um, okay, so is there a difference between what Hesiod says and what Homer says about who birthed the world? Because I, I believe yes, in Hesiod, yes, it's yes, Gaia, right? right? Gaia. Okay, well, that's very um, interesting. Oceanus brings about. The, the first ruler, so to speak, of the universe. And okay. that's uh, Uranus or Uranus. In the Hesiod myth, Gaia brings forth Uranus or, or... He, uh, you know, mates with Gaia, who represents the earth. I, I thought that in the in the theogony, that the idea she brings forth Uranus and then mates with him. Yes. No, that's right. But uh, Homer's version is different. Well, that's what I mean. That's really interesting. So, so does he even have Gaia in his version? Yeah, he does. And okay, so Uranus mates with Gaia, and okay. they produce. Where does, 
Where does she come from? Well, in, in, in Homer's tradition, where does she come well, from? Well, uh, presumably created by Oceanus. Interesting. For people listening, I say that's interesting because we talk about in some of our ancient women and matriarchal studies, the record of women being erased or replaced in different traditions. And whether that is the case here or not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not uh, putting forward, but simply the notion that, that the feel of it is that in one tradition you have a mother god birthing the world, and in another tradition, Homer's, you have a father god birthing yeah. the world. So well, you know, Homer, okay. Homer represents a you know <clears throat> more of a patriarchal vision. You know, uh, so anyhow, they 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 produce they produce Kronos and Rhea. So Kronos mates with Rhea, and they produce Zeus. Okay. And, uh, and and the gods. So, you know, Kronos and Rhea produce the Titans. And the Titans are these gigantic gods like Atlas that holds up the world, you know, and so on. Um, okay, let's 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 go back. And I, I'm going to keep uh, jumping in, Gary, just so the listener no, that's will fine. understand where that's we fine. are. In the Homeric vision, we've got chaos, just a bunch of formlessness, and then Oceanus is, comes forth. He's the, he's the father god, right? He then gives birth to Gaia and Oranos, I guess. Is that right? Yeah. Um, or Oranos they, or, 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 uh, or Uranus. Uranus, whatever you prefer. Okay, so they are the first the first gods. Uh, obviously, Oceanus is the first, but our, our first family tree, Gaia and Oranos, is there anyone else in their generation? It gets complicated. So Uranus and Gaia produce Kronos and Rhea, and they in turn, and they and they produce the Titan, you know, At Atlas and Phoebe and all these other Titans. And uh, there's twelve Titans, a sacred number, by the way. We'll get back to that in another broadcast. Yeah. And then they, you know, produce Zeus and Hera. They produce the initial gods. You know, you know, Zeus has two brothers. Uh, Poseidon, a god, who becomes a god of the sea, and Hades, who becomes a god of, of the land of the dead, the underworld. And so all these gods are created, which are different from the Titans. <clears throat> and Zeus, being power mad, you know, one of these human emotions, right? Mm -hmm. He attacks Kronos and the Titans with the gods. He defeats them, and he banishes them to this hell-like part of the afterlife or the underworld called Tartarus. So they're they're imprisoned in Tartarus. And okay. so Zeus and the gods then reign supremely, you know, over the universe. All right. Well let's go into each of these things so we can dive a little bit deeper into each one. So just to go through the family tree, it starts with uh Oceanus, correct? And then the next generation is Gaia and Oranos. Right. And so, and then, right, their children are Kronos and Rhea. Yes. And then Kronos and Rhea, they give birth to the Titans in, in Homer. No, they are Titans, but they give birth okay. to other Titans. Okay. Or they create so other Titans. So that's the Titan. All right, so let's go back now. What's but, the but deal Hesiod with Gaia? But has a different version, okay? And, oh, okay, let's, why don't we hear Hesiod's version? Let's hear that first. And then we'll okay, go, a different version is of the creation of the world. Uh, Hesiod in his Theogony. Like I mentioned, Theogony means of the gods. And that's his book. Yeah, and interestingly, he was a farmer. 
you know, plowing his fields and everything, but in his spare time, mm -hmm. he wrote these two great poetic works, you know, works and days and the theogony. So I, I think it's great he was a farmer and did this. But anyhow, so okay. in, in his theogony, theogony. And when is he writing again, Gary? When is when is he write? Because Homer well, is eighth century. It's not clear. A hundred to two hundred years, I think, after Homer. So this is a quote: "The very first of all chaos came into being," and that's what he tells us with Gaia and their broad embrace. Uh, and then came Eros. Interestingly, Eros, which later becomes kind of a minor god, is very major in Hesiod's version. And Eros is the most beautiful of the immortals. And he sprinkles gods and men alike with his passion. So chaos gives birth to er Erebos and night, who in turn generates air and day and the star-studded sky, which they're calling Uranus here, or he calls Uranus there, star-studded sky and the mountains and the sea. Later, she formed a bond with uh, Uranus and brought forth the titans, the cyclops, and the hundred-handed ones. So that's Hesiod's origin story. So chaos is the first. It's the, the form, the shapelessness. Then out of chaos comes Gaia. Gaia, let me make sure I understand this. She gives birth to Oranos, correct? And then she mates yeah. with Oranos and produces yes, in the, in She the also, she version, also mates, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, with uh, Pontus, I guess, to produce other other gods. So she's the first. So what do we know about Gaia? Do we know anything about her from Hesiod, or is she just this mother god, not, you know, mother of all not things? really. I mean, he, he just sort of uh, assumes you know her. Yeah, no, it's interesting, because in, in looking her up, I noticed that her name has at its root, root in uh, some cases, uh, a spelling that is similar to a lot of mother god names throughout uh, Europe. Uh, it's both G-A and D-A. So like Dane or I believe it's Dane in the Celtic mythology, and you have the Danube. So you have a lot of these kind of goddess names that tie to Gaia. Is it possible that they are such early gods, early deities, that they come from, is there any theory on that, that they come from an earlier period in Greek well, history because they're so uh, old? Yeah, you know, there's analysis of that, you know, about, you know, how Greece got occupied and what uh, belief systems came into Greece and all that sort of thing, you know, and how the Greek uh, people you know, got formed and all that. But uh, it's all kind of murky stuff, I think. What do we know about the Titans? So who are they? Tell us about them. Because they're kind of familiar. Some of them are kind of familiar to us. Hesiod's Titans. Yes. So Atlas, I believe, is a Titan, correct? Yeah. And Helios, isn't Helios a Titan? So tell us about maybe those two and some of the other Titans, because they're some of the famous gods that we know about. I mean, how do we know Atlas? Just for the listener, the casual listener, how do we, what, what do we know of Atlas? Why is he familiar to us? I mean, he, as he's standing in front of, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> yes. Radio City Music yeah, Hall. I think he correct? is. Um, he's yes. the man who holds up the world, correct? Well, you know, you've you got, you got these various, you got these various Titans, okay, the children of Kronos, you know, so you have Oce Oceanus, according to you know, that version is, is a Titan. His daughter was Styx. His daughter was Styx, you know, like the river Styx. And, and the band. Uh, yeah. yeah. And her, and then she had children, uh, Kratos, pow, who means power, Bia means violence, Zealous means zeal, and Nike, victory, Prometheus, 
Oh yeah. Oh god, that's a great. He's a great Titan. But wait, yeah. but just to go back, just from, to go back. Wait, so, he stole fire from heaven for human beings. Uh, yeah, the rebel, the rebel god. He, but he wait, was, just to go back, Gary, to Oranos in one, in in Homer, he's the first. In Hesiod, yes. he is born from Gaia. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting they have a difference there. You know, the most famous Titans are Atlas and uh, Prometheus. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe Helios a little bit, just because we know the root yeah, word. Yeah, but Helios is, uh, becomes a, he's a sun god in, in the uh, Zeus uh, pantheon. And isn't he Circe's father? Yes. Now we are on 34 Circe Salon, so we have to give our nod and our little wave to our patron goddess, Circe. So, okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, or matron goddess in that case. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the Titans, they have a little bit of a dispute with their dad. And it ends maybe not so great for him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell us about that. Not a good son by our standards, okay? And it's Kronos that cuts off the genitals of uh, Uronos. He emasculates him and dethrones him, you know? Yeah. And so that's how he becomes the, the big shot. That, that's the how he boss. becomes the ruler of the universe. Okay. Well, that's there's an interesting thing. Uh, I'm sure Dr. Freud had a lot to say about that. So yes, so you know, in Greek mythology, familial relationships are, are, are of the worst kind. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, do you think this is anything? Does it say anything about Greek culture at the time? Do you think there was a conflict, a lot of paternal conflict then, or what? Well, we'll get or, we'll get back to this, but I think that okay. uh, you know, with the um, uh, advent of the Mycenaeans, you know that. Uh, dominated Greece in the Bronze Age. And there was a real emphasis on male power, you know? And I think, uh-huh. uh, like you and I have talked about before, uh, <clears throat> I think they, you know, they, they wanted to supplant the matriarchal system that came earlier. Yeah. So they came That's up with it. all this male stuff. Uh, yeah, it's really intense. Yeah, and even even Hesiod, there's a, a little, uh, I, I ran across the quote this morning, I can't finger right now, but he was uh, a bit of a male chauvinist himself because he said, you know, women women were created with all their bad behavior, something like that. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I come across one of his quotes too, something about all the ills in the world being uh, attributed to them. Yeah. So this this is this male chauvinistic uh, idea coming in. But so what are, what are the types? What are, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Interestingly, unlike other religions of the world, Greeks had female deities that were very uh, prominent and powerful, you know, and uh, <clears throat> of course, Hera, the queen of the gods, who like a, a goddess of, of childbirth and so on, Athena, you know, I mean, Athena's usually depicted wearing a war helmet, carrying a spear and shield. She's been, even in books on mythology, she's listed as being a a goddess of war. She's really a goddess of defensive war. So tell us the difference. What do you mean by that? What is tell the well? Ares was Ares was the god of war, and mm-hmm. he and he was all out for war. And you know, like Homer calls him, you know, in essence, bloodthirsty Ares. You know, he's out to kill as many humans as he can, mm-hmm. um, and send them down to Hades. You know, the afterlife. Um, but uh, uh, Athena was about defending cities. And that's one of the reasons why she became the patron goddess of the city that became Athens, named after her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and and get this, in Homer, uh, he apparently had reverence for Athena because he said 
uh, in the Iliad, if if Athena got into a a fight with Ares, she would win. And I think that's I don't really think interesting. Most people know that. He's not totally going with the chauvinistic idea there. So what happened to the Titans? So what what was their reign like? What was their world like? So we have the the early world of Gaia. Uh, now was that was that a blessed age? Was that a wonderful age? But then of course I, I, uh, I think I I think so. I mean I, I I haven't really read any. You know there, there's very minimal descriptions here in Homer and Hesiod. You know they don't go into that kind of detail. You know because they eventually I think you mentioned this earlier they get into a war with the Olympians, their children essentially, right? Yeah. Led by Zeus, you know, Zeus uh, forms a rebellion against his father Kronos and the Titan, and they they have a they have an all-out war. Was there a spark to this? Did something happen, or was it just Zeus, like you say, was power hungry and wanted to be top dog? Yeah, I just think that he he was a power mad and he just wanted to take over. Okay, so what happened? How did that war play out? So there was a, a ten-year war, if I'm not mistaken, between the Titans and the Olympians. So it's yes. just for the. For the for the sports fans at home, on the one side of the field, there are the Titans. On the other side of the field, there are the Olympians. They are both all-star teams of gods. So they're about to go at it for the Super Bowl of cosmic rulership. But it takes 10 years instead of four hours with music in the middle. Yeah, well, if you want me to read the passage, I, yeah. I can read the passage from Hesiod here if you like. Sure. From the ultimate limits of the great earth, bitter at heart for a long while, suffering a grievous grievous affliction. These did the offspring of Cronus, as well as the other immortal gods whom Rhea, the well-coiffed, bore in conjunction with Cronus, bring up again in the daylight in the advisement of Earth, meaning Gaia, for she explained everything thoroughly to them, how with the help of Uranus's or Uranus's sons, they would win bright victory such as they prayed for. For the titanic immortals, and those begotten by Kronos, long had the struggling against each other in fierce internecine combat, exerting themselves together in heart-wrenching effort. On one side, the illustrious Titans from lofty Mount Orthres, and the other, the gods from Olympus, giver of good things. Now you see the bias there. Uh, those whom Rhea the fairhead bore with sleeping Kronos, so at the time they were fighting continually with each other ten full years, as they nursed in their guts indigestible anger. Nor was there any solution to end the difficult conflict for either side, but the outcome of battle was equally balanced. But when Zeus, in the meanwhile, had furnished his monsters with all things and so on, uh, he won. The Olympians eventually win and they establish the pantheon of gods that we know really well in today's world. They establish the, the gods of Zeus and Athena and Aphrodite, Apollo, Artemis, you know, matron of the Amazons. So those are the, the Olympian gods are the ones with which we are most familiar. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. You know, most people are not really aware of Kronos or Uranos. We're going to end pretty much right here because what I'd like us to do is in our next episode, take a deep dive and dive into each of the Olympian gods, uh, perhaps starting with Athena, who just seems so fascinating. Well, she she really is. And uh, the ancient Greeks loved her, made uh, beautiful statues of her and everything, like in, uh, in the Parthenon, her temple, you know, in, in Athens. Uh, Hesiod basically says the war between Zeus and the gods and Kronos and the Titans lasted 10 years. I think that's a holy war number because mm -hmm. I always wondered ever since I've been reading the Iliad since I was a little kid, why did the Trojan War last 10 years? 
and why did the Odyssey, Odysseus' voyage home with all his trials and tribulations, why did that last 10 years? I think it's because uh, it was a holy war. Uh, I want to say thank you to Dr. Gary Stickle. So you've been listening to the 34 Circe Salon. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back with more interesting conversations. <laughs>